So we are continuing this series that we started a couple weeks ago as we are studying our way through the book of 1 Timothy, and we're going chapter by chapter uh, as we are looking at, at the, the words that, that Timothy uh, received from Paul, who was his spiritual parent. And again, this is a continuation on of our last series, which is why we do what we do. We looked at our, the vision and mission of our church and our core values, um, and see at the at the the, the end of his faith journey, as we work through these different phases of our own growth, we end up at the place of mentoring other believers. That, and that is truly the overall goal of being a Jesus follower, and that is to be a disciple that helps make other disciples. That was the goal of the Great Commission that Jesus gave to all of us as the church to, to fulfill as he passed the baton of leadership on from, from himself Right, it is time on earth onto the disciples and the apostles, and then they again pass that on to, to all of us as every believer of Jesus. And we see at the very beginning um, of the letter, the intro, um, we see that Paul writes this to Timothy as he says, This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of our Savior in Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. And I'm writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. And again, this letter was written from Paul to Timothy because Timothy has been uh, grown up in the faith, as, as Paul calls him, his true son, and Paul is his, his spiritual parent, and he's mentored him and taught him. And now Timothy has been um, left and anointed to lead a, a church himself, because he has grown to the place where now he is leading, and and he has this church family, right, of spiritual children that he's investing into. And, and again, Paul is continuing to invest into him. And, and we see here, even in these opening verses, there are kind of three foundational truths that, that are, we see about being a disciple that also makes disciples. And, and that the first thing is that every believer should have spiritual children, that we should have, grow in our own faith to that point, right, to where we have spiritual children, but we also, it's important that we have those spiritual parents in our lives as well, those that we continue to look to and we learn from, right, and that are investing in us. We also realize that the power of this relationship comes from God. It's not in myself. It's not something that I have to fabricate or make up on my own, right, but just if I pursue my faith with everything I have and help others do the same, that these relationships will naturally happen of these spiritual parents and spiritual children, and, and lastly, we understand from these opening verses that we will both consume from this partnership. Whether you are a spiritual parent or a spiritual child, you learn from these relationships more than you ever contribute. And, and as we look at these, these foundational truths and know that, again, that becomes the goal of our faith is to be a disciple that makes other disciples. We dove into the practical advice then that Paul gives Timothy. And, and in week one, we looked at the rest of chapter one, and, and we saw um, just some practical advice on how to be a good spiritual parent and how we oftentimes mess it up. And we get, got advice in chapter one about how to not mess it up or to fall into those traps. And then last week, we looked at 1 Timothy chapter two and this continued practical advice on, on how to make God smile with our lives as a disciple of him. And how to step into these different roles that God has designed for each of us. And now today, as we open up to chapter 3, Paul continues on with his practical advice as he um, you know, mentors Timothy on how to lead this church. And, and now, though, he does turn a corner because now it's not so 
um, so tied personally, but yet he moves on to the structure of the church, right? And, and how, um, how church leadership should happen. So we're going to dive right into the text this morning. Uh, we're going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to read the first 13 verses as we start off here. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open up with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have your own Bible and you're here with us in person, you can grab and use one of the Bibles in the seats, and you'll notice on the outlines where you have the page number of where you can find this passage in those Bibles. And if you're worshiping with us online, um, hopefully you have your Bible with you, or you can uh, pick up your phone and just open it up. But here we are, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to start with verse 1, where it says, This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder, he desires an honorable position. To an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons must be well respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. And if they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. And in the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. And those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. So we see here that um, we get some very practical advice here about um, the way that the church should be structured, and, and some advice, again, on, on appoint these different roles and overseers. And again, we're going to kind of break down that, that exactly what this advice looks like, even in today's context. But the, the first kind of general point that we need to take out of this text is the fact that the church leadership needs to be structured. Right? That God is the God of order. In fact, if you look even through the Old Testament, and you look at all of the, the detail that comes with even the building of the temple and with the, the routines and the way that the sacrifices are supposed to go through. And again, God is a God of details and God is a God of order. And he instructed that we see that through all of Scripture. And, and we even see that again here and in these first century churches of, of as, as they were, um, again, being started in all of these different communities Right, in Jewish communities as well as Gentile communities, and, and yet there was a certain structure that was supposed to come with the body of Christ. We see, again, that, that Timothy, in fact, just right in the verses following this text we just read, I mean, Paul comes straight out and, and says why he gives this advice. We see in, in verses 14 and 15, he says, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. So that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. Again, we see here that Paul 
Paul's intention was to show up in person and to, to be able to, to give Timothy advice and, and show and, and interact with everybody and, and, and teach them exactly how everything should be structured and everything should be run within the church. Now, now, again, it's to our advantage that Paul wrote the letter ahead of time, right? Because if, if he hadn't, right, then we would not have the same advice, right? We would not have the benefit of seeing how, how Paul was, was advising Timothy to structure this church. Now again, as we see, we can look back over Paul's life and, and, and his missionary journeys and all these places. He, he um, planted churches and we can follow his, his routes um, in, through the Acts and through all of these different things. In fact, if, you, if your Bible is one of those Bibles that has the maps in the back, likely one of those maps, right, is literally Paul's journey. Okay, and where he went. And, and so, but we saw, but he got delayed a lot, right? Whether he got arrested or weather or just all kinds of different things that happened to Paul on these trips. And so, again, it's to our advantage today, right, that we get to, to read this advice, right, to Timothy. We're glad he wrote it down. Right, now, with that said, is we, we see that, um, that this, uh, this, this, detail that he gives us here to Timothy okay, about how to structure the church. Now, we also see that this image, imagery continues from chapter 2. We saw last week how, how Paul gives us advice in the context of a household, right? And that um, the advice that even that came from generals and those kind of things we looked at last week where it was given because these, these churches were meeting in homes, and there was, again, the, the structure of the church was to... to um, follow very closely the structure of a good household. In fact, we see that referenced several times here through elders, through deacons, and through, through deaconesses, right? That, that their, the structure of their house plays into their qualifications to be leaders in the church. And we see this imagery continuing on. And, and again, we see that this advice here, again, is very gender-specific, but know that that's the context that we see, right? Is that he, is, um, that he already established in chapter 2. Now, as we look at this advice, there are um, a lot of churches that literally do this very literally. They have a, a board of elders within their church, and they have a board of deacons in their church, and they, they follow it just by the letter, right, and structure it exactly the way that, that, that Paul describes in this, not just this letter, but in other letters as well. Okay, now, there's nothing wrong with that, but there are also other churches that that follow the, the framework of the structure, but they apply it a little bit differently. Right? In fact, they don't have specific elders and deacons. Um, our church, again, is structured in a way that follows this structure more loosely. We do not have an elder board and a deacon board. We have a board of trustees, right? which basically the board of trustees encompasses both roles of elder and deacon. As well as then, a lot of some of the deacon roles that are described here are also fulfilled by a lot of volunteers, right, and staff that are ministry leads, right, in different areas and oversee different areas of ministry. And, and so that is our structure, is a board of trustees and, and then and staff and volunteer leaders and ministry heads. But again, it's, it's the same um, structure or the similar framework as elders and deacons. And so you, you'll see that in some churches, they have el literally elders and deacons, and others have different structures, but they're all very similar. They call them different things. Um, so again, our, we do not call them elders and deacons, but we have board of trustees and we have staff and ministry leads. But as we look at that here within the text, we look back to, to the, these words that are used as elder and deacon. And, and again, the, 
the word that is used as elder can also um, be, or the more, I think, broad translation of the word elder is overseer. And so we see that, that, that here, this, this top leadership is that there is a group of, of men and women, right, that we believe, if we go back to chapter 2 and see why we believe that, right, but men and women that are overseers of the church. And that is, again, what this word elder describes. So they, they oversee everything. Again, we look at our structure again. My boss, as your pastor, is our board of trustees. They oversee right, everything that I do, as well as oversee all the finances of the church. And again, that's within their job description of our board. Then also, you see this word deacon. And, and this word, again, more loosely translated, can be translated as servant as those that are serving the church. Now, elders are serving the church as well, but they are serving as an overseer role, right? And, and traditionally, deacons do more of the day-to-day, day-in, day-out tasks of serving the church. And again, in that role is our staff as well as our volunteer volunteers, right? And again, we have lots of volunteers and ministry leads and teams under those staff and those ministry leaders um, that fulfill this deacon role. Again, I want to point out as well that we have in verse 11, as, as, um, as it talks about the deacon's wives, and again, that one, uh, the, the word there is a deaconess, right? and again, that can be um, translated as wives, which is the way that NLT translates it, and we see that same context that comes out of chapter 2. But again, a more loose translation of that word that is used there in verse 11 is women deacons or women servants in the same way. So again, they're all kind of lumped together in that. Now, as we look at this structure and, and who these people are, is, is these are people that are a part of the body of Christ. These are people that, again, are gifted with their, through their personality, through their gifts and talents, that have the ability to lead and to serve in these roles. And just as we looked at last week, we, every believer has spiritual gifts, but some have the gifts of leadership or the gifts to, to fulfill these roles well, and others have gifts to fulfill other roles well. But yet we see that this overall um, you know, tone of this advice by Paul is that you need to be careful who you put in these positions. Right? There's several different requirements, and, and truthfully, the requirements that he gives are kind of all over the place. Some of them are moral, some of them are, are, are structural, some of them are leadership things, all that kind of thing. But there's a couple of things we can pull out of that. And First off is we need to know, and, and we see from this advice, that the people that go into these roles um, need to go through a process, right? He says to test them and examine whether these people will fit in here well and, and that they, whether they're called to fill in these positions. And so we, there's a couple things we can infer that we need to not do when we're choosing these people. Okay, first off is we need to realize that this is not a popularity contest within the church, right, of who is going to be, you know, um, who's going to get the most votes at the annual meeting to, to make it to be voted onto the board? And again, that's the way our church is structured. Every, all of the board members are ratified by the congregation. Okay? And so at our, our annual meeting, right, if, if you're a voting person of our church, you show up at that meeting and you will vote and say, yes, we approve of this board member or not. And so it's not a popularity contest. And you think about, think about the high school context, right? And like ASB president, right? And, and all those kinds of things. And again, they have a job to do, and there's a structure of leadership within the school. But, but it often comes down to the, the ones who can just get, or more popular kids that get the most votes, doesn't it? 
Right, again, we have lots of fun with this in high school. You know, we ha- even, you know, throw out all these, these different, you know, ways, and we, put it, we even put them in the yearbook, right? And, you know, things when we see, like, you know, Juanita Globitz, world's best realtor. Right? Or, you know, or, or we see, or, or, you know, Casey Langley, most likely to win a Grammy Award. Right? And, by the way, these are our actual board members, by the way. But if, if you see the, or, you know, Ben Holt, world's best handyman. Right? It, which, yeah, we used to be like, yeah, he should get that one, right? You know, or, or we have, uh, you know, Carly Panula, most likely to own a goat farm. And that's actually Carly with her goats. So that's it. The, now, again, these are, all, these are uh, some of our actual board members. Hey, now, again, they were not elected because they're the most popular ones, right? Or to, because now, again, they are popular. We all love them, right? But again, they, they are there because they are called to be there, right? And that God has anointed them for, that, for these roles. Again, it's, it, it's not about popularity, and it is also not about a position or a status. Again, I point out that these are some of our actual board members because a lot of you probably don't even know who our board members are. Right? And, and, and to that, I'll say, I mean, you should know. I mean, I think you should know who they are. But at the same time, they're not walking around being like, yeah, you know, everybody look at me. I'm a board member. Right? When they walk in the room, they're not like, oh, everybody be careful what you say to me. Right? I mean, they're just not like that. And that's exactly what Paul speaks to here, isn't it? Again, that they are, they are there to serve. Again, I will tell you, I, I am thankful for our board. Right? I'm thankful for those that are serving now. I'm thankful for those that have served in the past. Right? And because um, I've never seen a board member act that way at Oregon Trail, and I'm very thankful for that. Right? And, and when we, we see this, we see that it's not about a popularity contest, that it's not about a position or status, but it is about serving the body of Christ. Again, every believer is called to serve the church in some way, but not all in the same role. Right? Different positions for different gifts and for different personalities. And again, some are gifted to be as a, on the board and some aren't. And that's okay. But every believer should be growing towards a maturity of their faith that is described here. Again, not every believer should be a board member, but every believer should be growing and maturing in their faith to get to the point where if they were called, they would qualify to be a board member. And and that's the next thing I want to point out is that maturity is expected for every believer. We need to be growing forward in our faith, moving forward in our journey, being more like Christ tomorrow than we are today to the place where we are ready to lead in whatever capacity God needs us to. Right? And when we look at the different qualifications that are described here in this is, you know, am I managing my own household well? Right? Because God leads me well. So will I lead my household well? Again, am I being a spiritual parent to other believers? And again, it's Paul literally because to your actual children. If you have children, like how do you parent them? And are you, are you being a good parent? And which can naturally move over to will you be a good spiritual parent to other younger people in the faith? Right? And there's lots of guidelines given all throughout Scripture about how we should again, focus on our own households and how that's important in our marriages and our families and and again, to be a good 
you know, father, mother, or son, or daughter, or, you know, cousin, or, you know, those, those family circles are important. It, it, we see that how it plays out, and again, we see in, in, other, in other scriptures, in other books and letters, we see these similar concepts coming out. In, in Hebrews chapter 5, okay, verses 12 through 14, it says, you have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others, but instead you need someone to teach you again the basic things of God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. We are, every believer, no matter your gifts, needs to be maturing in the faith. Right? Learning the things of who God is and and what scripture says, and how to read scripture, and interact with it in your life, and, and going forward in your faith. And notice the kind of the all out here in this passage is like, hey, you have been a believer long enough. You should be mature by now, but you're not. And unfortunately, that is an accurate description sometimes of many within the church. And, and to say, if, if, again, I don't know where you are in your faith journey, but if you are still at the beginning stages of your faith, right, then I encourage you to take the steps to grow. Right? And again, there's, it, there's nothing wrong with, with you know, signing up for even one of our Wednesday small groups called Bible Basics. Right? Even if you've known, been a follower of Jesus, been a Christian for decades, you can still take that small group. Because I guarantee you, you're going to learn stuff about the Bible that you didn't know. Right? And that's, again, part of humbling our own selves and admitting about, like, man, I haven't grown as much as I need to and, and not being, you know, afraid or embarrassed to, to, to go to a class or to a group, right, that, that you realize, man, I should have took that years ago. And you probably should have, but just admit that and now go to it now. Right? Or, man, I've been a believer for so long, but I've never been baptized. I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit that. Well, okay, we'll just admit it and get baptized. Right? And continue to grow in your faith right? and mature because every believer is expected to mature. Again, we, we spent time in our last series looking at, at the strategy of our church of, of how are we going to fulfill our vision of joining the journey. And again, I don't, like I said, I don't know where you are on the faith journey. Are you at attend, grow, serve, lead, or mentor? But wherever you are, I just hope that you take the next step of growth, that you move forward in your faith. Right, more towards maturity because every believer is expected to mature. Again, the, the standard of growth needs to be used in preparing people to lead. And to tell you is that we have um, a, a vetting process that all of our board members and leaders go through right, before they serve on the board. And, and again, in doing that, right, we are following scripture of saying test them and examine them. Are they ready to lead? Where are they at on the spiritual journey? Are they ready to contribute or do they still need to consume? Right, to get to that place. Next thing that we just kind of glean out of this advice from Paul to Timothy on church structure is the fact that you can't lead someone where you haven't been yourself. 
You can't lead someone where you haven't been yourself. Again, if you look at your own faith and be like, man, I, okay, I've been a believer all of these years, but yet I'm still drinking spiritual milk. Like, that, that means, right, that you're also then not ready to be a spiritual parent. Now, again, you, you can help somebody find Christ for the first time. You've already gone there yourself, right? If you receive Christ as your Savior and you know the gospel message, you absolutely can share that with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Right? But then if you share that, right, then, then they're going to continue to look to you for, for help. And, and okay, well, what, how do I grow now? And, and again, you need to grow yourself so that you can bring them along. Right, we see here, literally, Jesus speaks to this in, in Luke chapter 6, verses 39 and 40, where he says, then Jesus gave the following illustration. He said, can, any, can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Again, the goal of our faith, right, is to become like Jesus ourselves as we grow forward in our faith. But, but again, I, if we are truly helping someone in their faith, we have to continue to grow in our own faith too. Right? Otherwise, they will just surpass us. Again, there should not be a passing lane right, on the spiritual journey highway. We should all be growing, right, so that those that are coming behind us, right, we can, we can show them where to go, and we lead by example. And we realize this, again, to say, like, how, how am I growing? And I'll tell you, there is no um, bigger accountability than being a parent, right, and watching your kids grow, right, and saying, man, can I, can I show them where to go in their faith? Right? Are they watching my, because they are watching your life, by the way. Right, again, we see that literally just the other day, like in my morning routine, I, I get up, get a cup of coffee, and I sit down with my Bible and do my devotions every morning, and that's just one of my morning routines, and all of our kids have done it, but literally just, just last week, like we get up, and, and Claire was in watching a show, and I was in there doing my devotions, and she walked in with her little Bible, and she sat down next to me. I'm like, yes. Like, yeah, as we, we think about that and think about, right, am I showing them what it means to live out my faith? Right? And, and you, you feel that pressure, right, kind of behind you. Like, am I growing, right? Am I showing them what it, what it means, where they should go? Because the truth is you can't lead somebody somewhere you have not been yourself. And it, we, we look at that, all of that to say, right, is again, who is our number one spiritual parent? And and ultimately, we come down to the fact that Jesus is our example to follow. Right? No matter who your spiritual parents are, the truth is that we, every believer, is following Jesus as our example. And again, will we not surpass our teacher, but we will become like him? Right? That we hope. Right? We will be more like Christ tomorrow than we are today. You know, when we look at this, this description of, of spiritual gifts and of, of qualifications of leadership and, and thinking about, like I said, it's, it's a pretty mixed bag. I mean, there's really no like, rhyme or reason to all the different things that Paul lays out here. Is, but there are some, some deep character traits. There are some fruits of the Spirit. There are, are um, again, spiritual gifts described here. There's, there's all kinds of things that play into to what, again, Paul wants in the leadership of church. But ultimately, we see this, this overall view of the body of Christ. 
And as, as we dive deeper into this example that we are supposed to follow in, in Jesus himself, I, I want to turn to one of Paul's other letters. In fact, it's the letter of Ephesians, and, and this was to the, written to the church that was meeting in Ephesus, and, and in fact, this is the very same church that Timothy was leading. Right, and in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, it says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Again, as we sit down and, and evaluate not just my own faith, but think about our faith as, as, a, as a church and as a body of Christ, right? Does, does that phrase describe Oregon Trail? Right? That it is healthy and growing and full of love? I hope so. I hope it does. Because I look at some of these other phrases and, and think, man, boy, that sure absolutely describes our world. I'm blown, blown about by every wind of new teaching, influenced by people tricking us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. I don't know about you, but I turn on the news and I don't know what to believe. Right, but what I want to be true beyond the shadow of a doubt right, is that we as God's people right, are healthy and growing, full of love. Right, and our culture shouldn't be able to change that. Again, are we pursuing our faith? Are we growing to the place where we are ready to lead in whatever God tells us to? I hope so. And then we move into this, this last section of text in this chapter, in, in chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Again, we already read verses 14 and 15, right? We see why Paul wrote, and we, we see, again, that he writes it ahead. But then, um, as we pick up in, in 15, he says that this is the church, the living God, of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. That Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. Again, as we look at, at this, this idea of the, the household of God, right, and that we as the church are we are, are his family. We are all family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ as believers. 
But, but the truth remains, right, that, that regardless of where you are in your faith journey, you need to embrace the mystery of our faith. You truly embrace the mystery of our faith. Again, they're, they're, think about that phrase, right, the mystery of our faith. There, right, there are parts of the gospel, parts of even a daily walk with Jesus that we just simply can't explain. Right, that that we need faith to follow, right? Because if sometimes, right, I just can't explain it because it's divine. Right? And, and I hope that there's, there's an element to your faith that, again, you can't explain or lay out for someone and just say, but it's just God. Right? And we see that, right, that, again, this this powerful description at the last part of verse 15 of what God's church is supposed to be. It's the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. I hope that's true. I hope that's what you experience. When, whether you come to Oregon Trail or go to any other church, I hope that that's what you experience. But the reality is that that's not always true of God's church, is it? And that's a harsh reality. That's a tough pill to swallow. Right, but me as your pastor, and I hope that we as the family of God are going to do everything we can do to make that description true of God's church. Right, are we going to be the pillar and the foundation of what is real not necessarily what we can explain because there's a mystery of our faith, but, but it's real. Right? And we know we can believe it. And we know we can build our lives on it. Right? Because it's a strong foundation. I mean, we think about, again, how, whether our church is structured with an elder board or a deacon board or a board of trustees. Right? Just the, the fact is that are we living up to this expectation for the church. Right? And, and again, I, I hope right, that, that we can get to the place in our community, right, when someone says, oh, Oregon Trail, oh, that's a place that I know I'll find the truth, that I know I'll be loved, right, and that I can experience God in a way that I can't explain. That's my prayer. And I hope that's yours as well, as we all pursue Christ, right, and mature in the faith, right, and make God smile, and be spiritual parents, and, and dive into our spiritual children. And a final thought for us today is this, is as a follower of Jesus, you are adopted into God's family. And as God's child, we need to continue to grow and mature, and move forward in our faith journey. So what is the next phase of your growth? Right, what is the next phase of your growth? Right, it might be diving into a small group for the first time. Right, it might be being baptized. Okay, we're we're going to do baptisms at the end of November. Right, you might need to get your name on that list. It, it, it might be, it might be saying, "Hey, I'm ready to serve on the board of trustees." Right, I don't know what your next phase is. Maybe it's even accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time. But whatever it is, move into the next phase of your faith. Lord God, we thank you, God, that you hear us when we call. 
God, we thank you that you truly are our Father. And God, that we are your child. Lord, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we would again live out our faith. Lord, so strongly, God, that we we are growing. God, we are moving into whatever you call us to do. And God, that we would, Lord, learn from our spiritual parents. And God, that we would mature to a place where we are ready to be be a spiritual parent for someone that you put in our life. And God, ultimately, no matter where we are, I pray, God, that we will be your church. God, that we will be the pillar of foundation and of truth in this world. God, that we will shine your light no matter how dark our culture gets. Lord, we love you. We thank you for changing us, God, and transforming us. And we pray, Lord, that we would go here today. And Lord, that we would live out being your church and your child every day. Lord, guide our steps. We love you. We thank you. We praise you today. Guide us as we go in Jesus' name.